Welcome to the We're Alive Fancast. And now, your host, Mr. Redbeard and Mick. Welcome to episode number 15 of the We're Alive Fancast, where we cover every new release of the We're Alive patio drama. I'm Mr. Redbeard. And I'm Mick. Hey, just so you guys know, if you haven't listened to Chapter 40, Part 1, go do it now because we're going to spoil it for you. Yes, we're going to. It's going to be rotten when we get done. Yes. That's gross. <laughs> so, do we, we don't really have any corrections that are official this week, do we? Not that I have. There wasn't a whole lot of reaction to the last show, so I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't either. Well, I think everybody and that has provided their theories for what's going on with the zombies... They got their own uh, little party favor. So yep, yep. Maybe... They're, they're, they may all need their own correction for this week. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. You got anything as far as uh, iTunes news or anything like that? I do, but uh, first I was just going to say... We're picking, you know, we're picking up a lot of people that are going back and, you know, starting over with the, with the show and downloading stuff. So there's also might be some other new people in. So basically, if if you're new to this show, We're Live Fancast, what we do is we are covering We're Live, and every week that We're Live releases a new show, uh, we're gonna release coverage on or by the Thursday of that week. And also one other thing we're tra- we're trying to do with this show is to keep it as family friendly as possible, uh, with the subject matter being zombies, of course. But basically what that means is, you know, we don't cuss and we'll try to warn you if we're going to talk about something that we might not want our kids to hear, that you could listen to the show with your kids around and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. Well put. And just so you guys know, we have a uh, a new podcast coming to the McRed Network. It is the BSMG, which is the big screen mobile gaming podcast that is brought to you by Chris and he goes by JK West on Twitter. He has a separate account for the podcast itself, and it's at bsmgcast. Uh, at bsmgcast. So go, be sure to look out for that, and we'll post uh, updates as it gets further developed. Yeah, and if uh, Chris wants to record like you know a little thirty second, forty five second promo for what you know what his show is going to be about, we could definitely air that. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be cool. And it looks interesting, and of course, everybody has a mobile device now, and I'm sure most of the people are playing some kind of game on it, so there might be something for everybody. Cool. Okay, so how'd you enjoy your week off? It was good. I went hunting. Cool. Do you see anything? I did. I saw lots. I could. I could. I was deer hunting, and I could have taken a shot at uh, a couple of the does, but I just preferred not to because I want to get the numbers up in our area. Yeah. We have a we have a little cabin we go to. That sounds like a good time. I uh, went to go see my baby niece for the first time. She's two months old. That's awesome. Yeah, it really was, and it was good to see my brother again, who's uh, an officer in the army at Fort Sill. But the the two weeks two week break seemed awful long. Did it, it? It really did. Did I was missing uh, getting together and talking about the show and listening to the show. And it. As much as this is hectic and busy, it's it's my one night that I know I can kind of sit back and kind of relax while we're doing it. And we also take uh, we also thank you guys for you know taking a little bit of time to head over to iTunes. A couple more more people went over there and added some reviews. Uh, one was by uh, it says a great show and good guys. He gave us five stars. That was the J.K. West, who also was we just mentioned he's doing the BSMG cast. And he said I have talked to these people. guys. Yes. He said, I've talked to these guys a bunch of times, and they are some good-natured and friendly guys. They make a, a great fan cast for an awesome show. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. And uh, the next one says, Class Act. It's a four-star review by Radicitus Radicitus Agents. Let me know how to say that. I don't want to screw that up too much, but might have to look it up. But It says, uh, this is an excellent alternative slash compliment to We're Not Dead. The lack of profanities is, refresh- is refreshing, and the host's banter keeps the show flowing nicely. The only thing keeping it from getting uh, five stars is an unhealthy focus on relationships. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> what, he continues, what is this, uh, quote, as the post-apocalyptic world turns, end quote? 
Uh, also, winky face at the end there. So, wink, winky face back at you. Well, you like our you like our banter, just not what we banter <laughs> about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yes, you know, I, 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 while that's a really noteworthy comment, you know, and I'll I'll take that to heart. But that uh, there's been several episodes. It's that's what it is. As we're alive, turns. <laughs> yeah, there was you know what was there five episodes without a zombie? It seemed like back to back to back to back. wasn't a whole lot else we could talk about too much. So, you know, just to kind of rub that in there, if we didn't have pegs, we wouldn't have this problem. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, agents, thank you for your opinion. Thanks, man. And, of course, I think uh, I like to think this is basically a character's discussion, a show about characters, you know, which happens to be set in a zombie apocalypse. So there's going to be some a little bit of discussion about these characters, too. But, no, really, thank you for... uh, for your kind words and for the the four stars. We really appreciate you going out there and taking time to do that. All right, time to move into the scene-by-scene coverage. In part one, we've got Kelly and Michael, and the scene is Dunbar, I'm guessing? Yeah, I'm thinking so. Or one of the safe houses. No, it's Dunbar. It's Dunbar, because Saul and Lizzie are downstairs. That's right. And we're just going to try to pick a few points out of these scenes and not just really cover everything. So, uh, anything you want to talk about? Well, we got a new person out of this. When they're talking about Bill Roberts, um, one of the articles they're reading, they it's an interview with Nick Rivers. And he's the director of, I guess, the medical hospital or maybe that jail, the holding unit. Okay. But I don't know if it's going to be notable for the future. I just thought it'd be good to put that out there. They they mentioned a different name, too, that I thought was neat. They just pulled out of somewhere, and I didn't know if they were going to come back to it. But, you know, they're talking about Bill Roberts, and he got... He got, you know, tattooed and all this stuff. Uh, he said he paid his Cohen in the cell next to him. Did they say Cohen? Yeah, Cohen. I have to go back and I listen to that again. I didn't know if, you know, if that was going to come back and mean anything. But so basically, we've got they find a they do find a picture of uh, William Isaac Roberts, who is nicknamed Ink. They find a picture of him in the suit, and then Kelly pulls up a picture of what? What do we call him? Uh, the man in the pinstripe yeah, suit. Yeah, the man in the pinstripe suit. And uh, apparently, Bar. by Michael's reaction, they're the same person. So we finally have confirmation for sure that William Isaac Roberts is 99% <laughs> positively uh, the the one in the suit. The one with and, the markings. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm looking for. Right. And he he didn't have the tattoos until in the jail. And I thought that was kind of cool, too. That was kind of cool. And I was wondering, I'm like, what does that mean, though? I mean... Didn't he have? Aren't, aren't these symbols weird and probably supposed to mean something? Because they're also on this notepad. I think they meant something to him because it was his research. Okay, I but what, I don't think it means as much about how the. I don't think it means anything about how the zombies came about. But I think it, it has a meaning. We just don't know what it is yet. But you know, it does look like the uh, the research that I came up with before that term megas, which means misdirection, mm-hmm. is partially true. <laughs> Why? What draws? What makes you draw that conclusion? Because it has nothing to do with the origin or Ground Zero, according to what they're, they're the assumptions they're making inside this now. Because I didn't get that at all. Well, because <laughs> um, Bill Roberts wasn't turned until after the outbreak started happening. He was turned right outside the jail. That's what. That's what they're. Assu- that's what they're guessing right now. They don't know I, that for sure. I, I'll give you that. That's what. Yeah. That's what Kelly. You know, says at the very end. And we'll we'll get to that in a little bit, but I'm not they, they, so sure they started, that's what happened. They started talking about it here too, and that, and that's when I first made a note of it. And so I don't know. It's it's very interesting. The I'm I, I'm I'm hoping that we find out a better timeline once this is all done with this chapter. Oh yeah. Okay. So we found out this backing up a little bit. William Isaac Roberts. We know one notable thing about him. He was a mass murderer. Mass murderer. He killed his wife, the guy she was cheating with. And his whole family. Yeah. <laughs> and then was locked up. And it was supposed to show up for his hearing for sentencing, sentencing the day the outbreak started, which is interesting and that we'll get to later as well. It, it sounded like they had a pretty good case to call him insane. They were probably going to put him in the mental hospital. Yes. And I thought it was, here's one other thing in this scene I thought was cute, at least. And I don't know if that's mean or to say or not, but Lizzie Welding, pregnant, about to have a baby, and she's <laughs> down there welding, which is, I think it's pretty awesome. Drink. Hmm? It sounds like you're playing a drinking game. That Yeah, I'd say awesome <laughs> so much, I'm turning it to a drinking game. I'm, getting, I'm drinking my water right now. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought, I thought it was good for her to get out of the building. 
Redbeard Jr. was listening to part of it with me, and he said, where did Lizzie learn how to weld? And I started thinking about it. I said, I think she welded with her boyfriend, the one that was eaten outside of the original tower. I think that's what they said, but I can't remember for sure. Yeah, I don't have. I don't remember. I just knew that they referenced that they seemed to know that she knew how to weld already. Yeah. Well, another thing out of this scene that I thought was pretty cool, and I thought was also kind of funny, was how ahead of the characters that the audience is right now when it comes to things like the fall of Staten, because you know Tanya hasn't looked into it, and we find out later she's really not looking into that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Kelly hadn't found anything on it. And, you know, I guess it's. You know, no internet kind of slows these things down. Got to look it up in books. I know, it's boring books. <laughs> so, you know, Kelly talks her way into going on a mission with Michael. I thought that was awesome. Drink. And she, uh... <laughs> <Golly>. <laughs> I'm dehydrated by the time this is over with. That was really cool. And, you know, she's this is the second time this season she's really tried to assert herself into, you know, some kind of operation. What's now she did get to go out. Well, her ankle's all healed up now. And, okay, so you already mentioned that a uh, little bit about Tanya and Victor, but they think they're they're at the morgue right now working on the Wendy case. <laughs> Talking about mm-hmm. the audience being ahead of where the characters know. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious because the very next scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also the, the the joke about Robin's being dead. Oh, I, yeah. I thought they were about to pull a, a freaking a quick turn on us. <laughs> I, I I was like, there's no way that happened that quickly. <laughs> Seriously. So we pick up the next one? Yeah, I'm ready to close out that scene. Okay. Tanya, we got to uh, Tanya and Victor testing out the scuba equipment for leaks. They're not at the morgue. They're in just outside of Ground Zero and somewhere around Inglewood. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're... I, Sorry. I all caps here whenever they're messing with scuba equipment. I was like, are they going to ground zero? Like I was freaking out. This is awesome. <laughs> yes. I was so ready to get some more information about this weird, unresolved place. So once they get everything patched up and ready to go, I guess it was one of the valves that were leaking on one of the, the tanks. Yeah. And they're, what are, what are those bags called? They're not balloons. Tanya was very Ted, specific. Tedlar? Yeah, Tedlar. I've seen them in other things, too. I've seen them with vaporizers and things like that for other reasons. And uh, they're going out to get an air sample with hopes that Tanya can figure out if she and Saul are slow turners or if they do have some kind of natural immunity. Yeah. And uh, I also liked at the beginning of this scene how they were really paying uh, service to a lot of the fan theories. Basically, Victor was playing the part of... You know, everybody that's trying to discuss and figure out what it is that makes Saul and Tanya immune. And he pretty much covered all the bases of, you know, could it have been the antibiotics? You know, could it be this or that? Genetics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And the other thing that scared me at the beginning, you know, is starting to get a thunderstorm coming. Or there started to be a thunderstorm coming along. And that's kind of noted. It was like, hmm, is the storm setting a scene? You know, a storm is coming. The storm is building. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of ominous. That's right. Now, and then I was like, no, no, okay. you know, Casey says that this show doesn't always play by the rules. It doesn't have to. Well, it doesn't help that Victor's trying to talk her out of going. Right. You know, and it, what was the part about him having bad memories there? Is that where his wife died? Victor? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. I thought his bad memories was the last time he was there and their stuff stopped working. And It seemed like there had to be more to it. and I, I, It was over the top to the point where I was wondering, is Victor somehow involved in something else here that we don't know about yet? Mm. But once they get on their mask and they drive into where Ground Zero is, they get out of the vehicle and you hear the crow. <laughs> yeah, I, I did hear it very faintly on my second listen through in my car, which isn't always the best audio because I use an FM transmitter, but I did think I, he- I heard one. I'm glad you confirmed it. Yes. Still don't know what it means, but... Well, uh, this time I think it had a different meaning. You know, they were talking about... Victor said there's something different this time, and the bodies that were just laying around are gone now. The haze is gone. The air seems to be clear, and then they confirm it. Well, I don't know what the crows mean ever, so... Well, now oh, it, it would mean, never be different to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, this time there's, there's life there now. There's like things are going in like there's it's not dead like it was before. Oh. That's what I got out of it. I don't know if it really means. I don't know. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> daggum crows. Tricky. 
So once the haze is gone and uh, the bodies are gone, Tanya decides to take her mask off. And Victor's still reluctant to do so because he's thinking that she's just uh, immune to it like Saul was. But she forces him to take his mask off and to check it out. Yeah, she she did. I think she's desperate right now. She wants an answer. She wants to be able to say without a doubt, no, we're not we're not turning slowly. We're not, you know, she wants to alleviate that fear. Right. Did you were you able to pull out anything out of this scene to f- try to figure out what uh why Victor's in the doghouse? And I'm referencing uh We're Alive. I know you know this, but uh We're Alive tweeted something about after listening to one of our past episodes that Victor is in the doghouse for something that happened in the last four months in between chapter 38 and chapter 39, but we don't know what it is yet. Yeah, and uh, he mentions that I wish Michael could see that, talking about his ability to go out and kind of play the role of a soldier. Yeah, he says, everyone forgets that I spend a lot of time out here. Yeah. And then she says, Tanya, I think she said something about, well, everybody knows you're good. You know, you're good out here. Like you said, Victor said, tell that that to Michael. Yeah. So So we still don't know what happened, but it's... There's your drama for you. So apparently Michael doesn't think that he's very good out there. Maybe he didn't act right on this particular situation. I don't know. Well, okay, so that's what I was thinking too. I started going down that path, and then I started thinking, well, it's for as many times as Michael has rushed into situations and almost screwed up and gotten people killed because his mind's, his mind's been on something in particular lately that – uh. <laughs> How is he going to have any say in talking bad about Victor, who's never had formal military training? Right. And, you know, Victor saved his stuff a couple times, especially in the colony yep. arc, early colony arc. So, and got him out of the colony when it was under crazy rule. So, yeah, I don't know where Michael's coming off with this. I don't, it's got to be something pretty bad. There's no more gas seeping at Ground Zero. Yeah, the air is now what clear. What does this mean? Um, that the gas was coming from underground and it finally cleared out. That's the only thing I could come up with. I don't know. Yeah. And the, oh man, it's so crazy. And it's it had been it had been crazy there, and people were getting sick for a, a long time. Not just in season three. They talk about Ground Zero, you know, in season two for sure. And there's so many times when people, you know, talk about driving through there, or driving around there, and just getting sick. So, so all of a sudden, the, it's not doing it anymore. Did somebody or something neutralize the gas with, you know, chemicals that we've heard so much about? That's a possibility. That's I didn't even think about that. I, I thought in a total different direction was since it's not seeping there anymore, could this be why some of them are dying off now? Oh. Uh-huh. I don't well, know. Well, they they could never go there either. That's why the bodies were piled up. So I don't know if this was a... This is what I don't understand. Is like how how did this turn people if zombies won't even go into the area? Okay, so zombies won't even go into the area when the when the haze was still there. Yeah, so we got the haze there that hurts people and zombies. Oh, I have no yeah, idea. But now they're they're dying. Is it related? Maybe maybe not. If, if they were dying, if they even got near, I wouldn't think it would be related. And now the only ones they've mentioned that have just died for no apparent reason are the behemoths, right? Yeah, but I think I know they've mentioned that one specifically, but I think there's been others they've been talking about because there's rumors about them they're dying off. They don't see them anymore. There's no injuries on them. Where are they going, you know? Why aren't we seeing them anymore basically? Yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting. And uh I don't. I don't think I have anything else major for the scene. Oh, well, no. Well, whoa, maybe whoa, slow your roll. Maybe there's one <laughs> little thing. So they, there's a regular one near the vehicle when they start making their way back. Pause. Hold up. Cut. <laughs> that part freaked me out. Tanya's acting there. I, don't, I can't think of her name. Someone else said this too. I, I just happened to glance over it. It was really good, and I. I kind of. I may have messaged messaged you or told you. That that part really seriously kind of freaked me out. Even at work, all the lights on. Sweet. I was like, whoa. And it kind of got that eerie psychological uh, horror feel going to it. It might have been the combination of the music and the acting. So, you know, good job. <laughs> yeah. So, the rest of the scene was, was excellent as well. It really was. And so Tanya asserts, you know, they had that conversation back and forth about the possibility of being infected that everybody and then Victor tell it basically says that everybody's talked about this that they all think they're they're just immune 
but she knows when she puts out the the details to her research, it's going to look like they are turning very slowly. And she knows how people can react. So I, I don't know if Tanya's trying to keep Victor on her good side, but Saul, she said that Saul said that Victor is his best friend, which I believe that. I'm, I was just wondering if she was using an angle. Did you get that at all? So. No, I thought it was completely genuine that, you know, she, she can let Victor in on this because he's somebody that she and Saul can trust. I didn't but catch any kind of ulterior that, motive. That's what I thought, too. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone on that because there was just something about it. I don't know. That it didn't come up until they are both kind of in trouble. Then, you know, they're finding out that they're not even supposed to be there. That she didn't have permission to go there. <laughs> yeah, apparently she's... I guess he told Victor, yeah, 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 we got this mission. <laughs> Coming down from top. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another reason to love Tanya, because she's making stuff happen. Yes. But they, they decide to make a run toward the vehicle and take out the regular zombie and get in the truck and just haul out of there. Or the car, or whatever it is. That's right. And uh, as they're getting towards the the normal zombie, that's when number seven crashes down on the regular zombie and kind of rips into it. Like, what what's happening here? What is this? This is I think this is a very important part because it may be an insight to something else. And remember, we talked about the last little one being pale or white. I wonder if it's the same one or if they're turning white. I don't know. I don't know either. Do you remember something significant about number seven? I, for the life of me, could not remember and could not find something in time. Well, I can look that up real quick. So my two questions on this is this purely a play on dominance because they have very animalistic attributes? Or is this part of the two factions and their infighting? Right, but... Would a regular one be sided with Randy then? If we're, okay, so we're, are we saying the two factions are Randy and uh, Ink? Mm-hmm. Then who's I'll, this one being controlled that, by? Yeah, I would assume that any of the Inklings, the little ones, would be controlled by Ink. That's what I would think too. But, but maybe we're this, supposed to think that. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I was just wondering if that had a, a role in it because w- otherwise, why is Number Seven doing this if it's not just for fun, like the stuff going on at the arena? And I, I just checked the wiki. Uh, number seven uh, has no entry. Uh, that okay. So it, it, I would, just, I bet it's probably new because the rest of the number ones, even this season, have been kept up on the wiki. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm gonna look a little bit more too, just to find out. But there, I know that there's been some specific numbers that have been called out for important scenes, and I just can't remember for this one. Oh yeah, one, but, two, five, six, eight, eleven, and twelve, all. Confirmed dead. Huh. No other ones. There's been no other alive little one that we know of that has a number confirmed. Cool. So if anybody else has any other insight to any important scenes with number seven, by all means, please, please let us know. But okay, so before Victor, just, he's trying to take a second, hold back, and let this thing, let this scene play out. But Tanya reacted quickly and shot number seven and wounded it, but did not kill it. So they're having to make a run for it. Hmm. Yeah, or maybe this one's messed up because it got the chemicals on it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, it was number seven at the uh, the warehouse. They did not get a number. They weren't able to catch a number off that one. Oh, that's right. Hmm. So During the, the escape, escape from Radon Labs. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe that was number seven in there, and that was how they're describing them, but I won't know until they describe another numbered one today, like uh, if it's pale or not. Right. Do you want to take the next scene? Yeah, I just... What are they going to do? Where where can they possibly go? What can they do in the in the openness against a little one? I mean, if that thing wants to kill them, they're dead. Yeah. Well, they're probably just going to have to hide somewhere. I mean, they're, all those buildings should be almost untouched as far as resources go because no one could go in there. They are less than a half a football field away from this thing. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm, They're going to have to hide somewhere quick. Yeah, and that, it, that's what we're supposed to think. Of course, they're not going to kill both these characters right here like this. There's too just, much to do with them. Just one of them. Yeah, there's too much. You know, we, we've got to finish up Victor's story. He's in trouble. Get him out of the doghouse before we kill him. Um, I don't want to kill him. But And Tanya holds the key to a lot of answers, so yes. I, I don't see either one they're of them safe. dying. They're that's, safe. A, that's a very good point. At worst, Victor could Victor could go, but Tanya, there's no way. Hmm. Yet. Yet. <laughs> Sure, I'll uh, 
let's go to the next scene. So basically, we've, we've got Michael and the military crew with Kelly, and they're heading to the courthouse. We've got yes. uh, Michael. Basically, the scene opens up with Michael arguing with dispatch. Basically, the same old, same old. But CJ wants the truck, and we missed you, Miss Constance Parng. Wish, wish you could have been here on this show, but I'm sure we'll hear from you later on this uh, this chapter. Yeah. So this argument's going back and forth, and Carl starts defending CJ and the colony's usage of the the vehicle and fuel. What'd you think about that? Mm, I I thought it was funny when Robbins called him Carl. <laughs> yeah, I did too. That was all I took away from it. I I snuck a peek at the forums. And I saw somebody had said something about this particular thing, but if you have a, a take on it, original, then uh, definitely go for it. I, I just thought that it was a pretty good point, but for some reason, Robbins was really irritated by Carl saying anything in defense of CJ and the colony. Right. Robbins also, I thought he took ma- major offense to Kelly saying that not all the zombies were the same and seemed like some of them attacked because of retaliations. Yeah. So he really uh, lit in the hair for that. Uh, Carl, I don't think is the personality of someone that needs to be in any position of giving orders or telling someone else to do right now. Because I don't think that diplomatic approach is needed at all at the moment, if that makes sense. Like, he's trying to rationalize a lot of things that don't need to be rationalized right now. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that at all. I'm sure that, uh, that that will grow then, and, you know, people like me that didn't notice it will... I'll have to hit, it, hit me over the head with it. Well, I think what Carl's missing right now is the fact that what they're doing is important because it lets them know what the plans for Ink and his zombies are. Because I think without this, they're never going to know when they're going to attack the colony. Sure. I mean, I, I see what you're saying all the way. I don't always, I mean, I don't agree with not having somebody at least play devil's advocate on the way there. I think that's always a good thing to have, you know, a little bit of debate going. Yeah, yeah. So what was the insight from someone else? Oh, somebody uh, mentioned, and I, I wish if I was going to use this in the show, I would have credited you, and I'm sorry that I'm not. But somebody had mentioned um, that maybe, and it may have been a couple people saying that they thought Carl was a CJ mole in the military guys group. Oh, that's a good one. And again, I was like, where is this coming from? I didn't even realize Carl had a part except to prompt Robbins to say, Carl, <laughs> like the llamas with hats. Well. The other thing that what Carl was saying was doing is probably kind of unmotivating to soldiers about to go into an area that they don't know is safe or not. Like, kind of minimalizing what their mission was at the time. And I think that's why Robbins was getting mad, because he he was losing his, his hype before going into an unknown. <laughs> yeah, again, I didn't catch that at all. I thought it was just somebody making an, a good, valid observation. I mean, it was. On, a, on somebody uh, else's point, point of view. I just think the timing was odd. These guys are these guys are professionals at this point. They can they don't have to go all they don't have to dehumanize these creatures that are already dehumanized too much. Well, yeah, but it's an element to control fear. I can see. I, I mean, I see what you're saying. I mean, fear is useful, but if you don't know how to control it, you're going to lock up in the wrong situation. Right, but say but say CJ did have a serious good mission, and Michael was just completely ignoring it. We would expect Puck to step up now, since he's filled that role before, and to say, hey, you know, Michael, this other mission is serious. It affects um, whether or not these guys are going to be alive tomorrow, which, of course, we don't think that whatever CJ wanted the truck for is going to affect the colony's welfare in the very short term. And and at some point, that's got to come to a head. Uh, You know, Michael, you know, denying CJ every time she's making a request. But at the same time, CJ just may have to do that to make make it known that she's trying. Yeah, there's gonna there's gonna have to be some probably large, you know, big conflict between these two characters, and it's coming. Oh yeah, it's gotta be more war life turns. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I like I like these characters. Uh, yeah, I just know that it it's so close to the end that I know that's just a speed bump along the way. It's not. I mean, it's close, but we've got till. August, and that's with no delays. Yeah, it's plenty of time. It's, there's, there is, I mean, close to close to seven hours left, probably. Wow. I mean, and that's probably that's including ads and credits and all that, but still, there's a lot of time left. Cool. And they're moving, they're, they're moving along. Did you expect at the beginning of the season to be three chapters in and 
have found out the legitimate who Inc was for sure and Radon Labs and all that stuff. I I wouldn't have thought we were that far already. No, I thought it, things were going to be revealed in a different manner, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Okay. But okay, so they arrive outside the courthouse, and what do they find? Well, before they even go in, because they're 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 there to go look in the judges' chambers and find out, you know, some some data on who this William Roberts guy was. Before the, they don't even have to make it in yet because they found what looks like a you know a transportation van for prisoners, and it is just. I mean, the windows are busted, the doors are busted, and Kelly pulls out some documentation from inside this vehicle. Yeah, the transfer log. Yes, to find that it was the vehicle that transported William Roberts. But and she then she goes she posits uh, that Bill Roberts never made it inside, and she believes this is where he was turned. Now this is what this is where I said, hmm, was he turned? Was he? I mean, was he still the person behind this, and this is where they were coming to do his bidding? I mean, I, I believe that he's turned, no doubt about that. I'm just wondering if they were under his control at this point. Right. The question that I have is, do we buy that he was attacked and turned here, or did he bust out? I mean, yeah. we're talking about all these HGH hormones and other stuff that makes other things that are steroids, and we've got these behemoths. Of course, they're they're way too huge, and... He turned himself and the then with the out of the van. Yeah, I like that. That's I like that a lot. The way they described it to me, it sounded more like the van was broken open from the inside. Oh yeah, which way were the bars ripped out? I can't. I can't tell. I know for sure. I know. Uh, said van with bars on sides, windows busted, door oh, yeah, broken they were, with hinges. They were peeled out. I think is what they used the words they used. But I, I have to go back and listen again. But that's it. Mm, I like that. I like that theory a lot better. I, well, your thing about them doing his bidding, too, I didn't even think of that. That would be really interesting. Hmm. Interesting. But we kind of skimmed over earlier in the scene uh, when Kelly was saying that she thought there was two groups and that some of the attacks were re- retaliatory attacks. Retaliatory attacks, is that? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, and now we know that this isn't the only place that the outbreaks happened. So whatever group that... Bill Roberts may have been a part of through some of the theories of how the zombies came about in the first place. I wonder if they're initiating things at different parts of the world and these that's where some of this conflict is coming from or if Randy's completely separate of this and just happens to be an intelligent zombie on his, all on his own. I, I don't know. I'm wondering how this all plays about because it, it, the, the, break, the outbreak happened in Hawaii too at the same time. It's Yeah, that's so confusing because really it seems like a very local story local to the Southern California area in Arizona. I mean, maybe, well, we know maybe a little bit on the bottom, but like that very oh, and Boulder too now, but yeah. And then somewhere over in the, uh, on the East coast somewhere, we know about another breakout that was mentioned. I thought, Oh no, we know, we know that there was definitely breakouts around the world, but what I'm saying is the story, it focuses on a couple different leaders, you know, humans, mm-hmm. uh, Randy, possibly Inc for sure. But there, but all these are very local. So we wouldn't, I wouldn't think, based on what we've heard so far, that Inc is in control of anything outside of this this region. But oh yeah, how does it all fit together? You know, that that's that's the big question that hopefully is answered before this series is over. <laughs> I I expect it will be. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of details packed into one episode yet again. Very much. I mean, I walk away a very happy customer of my free podcast. Yes. So, so we got two new characters and some wiki entries that need to be created for number seven. <laughs> so we got Nick Rivers and Cohen. They're the two that uh, were mentioned. And Nick hey, Rivers was who again? Nick Rivers was the one over the unit that uh, Bill Roberts was being held. Okay. Um, and then Cohen, you said, was the inmate, I guess, either in the same cell or next to him. Yes. I wonder if they somehow injected these chemicals into him with the tattooing. Uh, that's a good point, too. That's weird. Hmm. <laughs> we'll find out when they go and see the uh, the ballpoint pins and the logo on the side of them. <laughs> the uh, ink on the page was the show notes for this show. Yeah, Monsters Ink yes, on the monsters Page. Monsters Ink on the Page. Did you? I thought that was incredibly vague. 
<laughs> I, I think it. Uh, the first thing I thought of was the uh, the page they took out of the notepad. Uh, Bill, yeah, Bill Roberts' office. Yeah, that's that's all I could think of too. But I'm assuming that there's going to be something on that page that links that to some kind of information that tells more of the story. That's right. I'll probably throw my freaking 50 cal gun mount at the computer once they, you know, once this is going to be like. I don't. I can't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> so something else I noticed is that we heard Puck mentioned as being manning the fifty cal, but we never heard Puck this episode. I did. No, I did. You did, your Puck, because I was wondering where is Puck this episode. He does have a line or two. He might have called this one in. I don't know. Huh? Yeah, he definitely did have a line because uh, I was I was listening. I was like, Puck isn't even in this episode, but he he showed up. Oh, okay. Oh, did you notice that uh, when Michael's talking to the guy on the radio? You can hear the guy stuttering during part of it because he doesn't know what to say to Michael or what information to relay back to CJ. Yes, it was funny. Now it sounded like he was like, "Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, oh okay, okay, well, I have to check." <laughs> that was great. I was wondering who was acting that out. That was good. I thought that was funny. <laughs> and you know, we always we talk about Casey putting putting himself into some of these characters, <clears throat> and this is funny because one of the calls we'll have later will will stunt cast Michael. For us, <laughs> and Michael is one of the few characters that doesn't look at all like his uh, the actor that plays him. But you know who he does look like, especially around the eyes. Who? Mister uh, Casey himself. Hmm. I think it looks just like him, but could be dead wrong. Could I, be just I, some I have more respect for Casey than I do for Michael. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is with Michael, but he's just irritating me here lately. Man. To get that out. I, did, I didn't see that coming, by the way. I, I I don't know why I'm so irritated with him. I don't know either. He's uh, Especially after you're uh, worrying about somebody else dampening the kill mood. Yeah. And he was all about it. He was, uh, let's go. Uh, a man on a mission. He's uh, on detective work. Yeah, I mean, I know in in that instance, I, I you know, is what I'm talking about. They're, they're already having to do this. And I thought that Carl was kind of killing the moment. But... I don't know. It's just Michael's willingness to just jump into a situation before really having a plan in place. It, it, it's just bothering me. Yeah, they've done that a couple times this season already. That's going to have to... Well, I I would think that's going to have to pay off at some point, or it's just... Or it's going to be a hard lesson learned. Right. Oh, yeah. Lose Carl. Carl! <laughs> I'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we don't know Jack about Carl. He's just kind of there. We don't. All right, we're ready to move into the favorite lines of the show. I am. Adam from Twitter, he sent us a couple favorite lines. His first one was uh, when Muldoon said, I think Robbins is dead. There ain't no waking him up. I think he asphyxiated on his own fat. (laughs) So wrong. (laughs) It's terrible, Adam. It was really funny, though. (laughs) Also, uh, another favorite line of his was Kelly at the end when he said, This is where ink was turned. And the way she said it uh, made it. Made it pack a dramatic punch, you said. I agree. Yeah. What was your favorite line? But it ended. My favorite line was when Michael was talking about the courthouse and the zombies basically not being around there. He said, what would they need with the courthouse? Only bloodsuckers around were lawyers. (laughs) Poor Kelly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was obviously directed towards her. My favorite line was when they talked about Lizzie Welding. I, I just think it's so cool when a woman does something that it's so defined as a man's world type, you know. Yeah. That is. I, I just thought it was cool. It was like, that's that's super cool points for Lizzie. Absolutely. I wonder if she's going to be uh, helping out Datu here pretty soon then. <laughs> she's Dunbar's Datu. Yeah. <laughs> Pegs will have her on the little baby strap on her back while she's out farming. <laughs> yeah. And she'll be over there welding and helping out Datu, the engineer. <laughs> and before we get to the... Which, we don't even need to do ratings. We know what I rated it. <laughs> Oh, well, I, 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 I know what I rated it, did you wanna, and I want to put it out there. Okay. Did you want to note uh, anything that you thought about the album art? Mm, oh, I get Yeah. For some so, reason, I have that later on. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm about to move into the ratings, and then the question of the week, listener mail tweets after that. Okay. And after the question of the week, I'm going to do the caption part. Okay. That'll work. Okay. So, as far as ratings go, I, I gave it a four, and... I almost wanted to give it a little bit less than that. Not that it wasn't a fun episode with action and stuff like that. And, you know, finding out more information. But it felt like it was one long trailer for next week's show. Hmm. 
I, I don't know. I just that's the way I felt when I got done with it. That's I think that's uh I don't think it's unfair criticism, but that's what each one of these shows are is nice it, long trailer for the next episode. It's, that's what serial uh, audio yeah, is. I, I, I totally get it, but serial storytelling that is. I don't know. I, I just wish there needs to be something resolved so that you're looking forward to something new. And I feel like we're constantly falling back to old things. Okay. And that sounds really mean. But no, I don't want to take away from your rating. If that's the way you felt about it, that's your rating. <laughs> it, it was like when I was watching Lost. There was times where I was getting tired of it. And I stuck in there. I'm glad I didn't watch Lost. The ending. And then the ending. So y'all, the ending sucked. <laughs> it just it was terrible. Yeah. Casey, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and don't oh the the one fear that I have for his ending is that in the end they're they're all zombies. They're just on different sides. And oh don't know. my gosh. And I don't want that That's to happen. That's scary. That would be scary. Wow. <laughs> and you know, they're they're gonna end up falling Randy or something, you know, it's just something stupid. I, I just like I, I have no desire for that to happen. I'm trying to fit that into my mind, but I don't the framework doesn't fit, unfortunately, because Tanya has those blood readings. But that would be the yeah, you had me going for a second there. You know, it's still one of those things that could be nothing. They don't, they don't know that. I mean, that's not concrete. They, I'm waiting for them to test an actual zombie after it's turned to see what its levels are. Oh, not yeah. during tran- you know, the transformation, but like after. Right. Okay. My rating is uh, 4.5. And it's it would have been lower than that, except for the middle section with Victor and Tanya, to actually have a section that made me kind of get into that uneasy feeling of you know a scary movie or something like that. That was I mean it knocked it out of the park for me because I mean I watch a ton of scary stuff, but none of it was really scary anymore. It's just fun. But whenever she they turned around and, and Tanya like goes stop and there's one near the car, I could see it and it. The mood was set and everything was great. It was really scary. The other scenes were, were very good. I mean, they were okay. I mean, not okay, but they, they were very good and I enjoyed them. But this scene was, I mean, that was a, that was five as good as I could as I could ever hope for an audio drama. And so that really lifted it up out of the just, you know, regular four or 3.5. Oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a great scene. I mean, that's where I was really wanting some answers. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of bummed that they couldn't get an air sample. That I was really looking forward to see what she would find out of that. But I, think I mean, it, I think it, a, I think uh, the, there not being any gas or anything. I think that that's something that means, and that's going to mean something. Yeah. Um, I, and, and not like my review takes away from the quality of the show either, because I mean, this is you're not going to find any better. No, I, ha- I haven't. I haven't listened to anything that's put together better than this. No, there's not. I mean, I go back and listen to the. I listen to X minus one, really old radio serial audio drama. Well, not that's not serial. It's I wouldn't even consider. It's just different stories each week, and it's the audio quality is not as good as this, especially the mixing because some things are so much louder than other things, and this for the most part, except for gunshots, is all very well mixed. Oh yeah, and you know all the audio is right there, excellent. That's uh, that never pulls a rating down. In the first few episodes of the entire series, there were times when the audio was kind of like you know you could tell Casey was learning or whoever was putting mixing and all that was learning. And then after that, it was excellent every time. All right, I don't have any news this week, Redbeard. No, neither. And we didn't put out a question of the week two weeks ago in our last show, but we're gonna ask this one, and it's over on Facebook right now. You can search for uh, We Are Live Fancast. We'll pop right up. The question of the week is, what character in We Are Live has the most to be thankful for and why? So y'all think about that. Uh, go to head over to Facebook. Give us who you think has the most to be thankful for and why. There's already a few of those popping up right now. We'll, we'll be talking about those next week. Cool. So you want to do caption coverage and then switch gears to caption fun? Well, we're going to do some caption coverage but i don't think we're gonna talk about any of our comments until next week right no absolutely okay so the cover art for this chapter is pretty interesting it looks like it may be a junkyard but i'm not 100 sure the uh the trees in the background kind of throw it off a little bit i was trying to figure out where this may be and i was looking on the map for something that would hint towards that near the colony 
And I was thinking maybe one of the, the state parks or a national forest or something like that. But uh, I, I have no idea. Oh, man. What is that? Does it say does it say arcing? Like it's missing the P for parking on that green back there? Uh, oh. I'm just not saying that for the first time. And I was – those things that look like tall trees, those aren't uh, – basically this is this is a wind generator, right? Or not wind generator, but – a windmill that's supposed to generate power, right? That's what it looks like to me. Right. Or it's pumping something. With wind power, right? Yeah. Okay. These other things aren't just not very well-drawn wind power devices, are they? No. It I looks like there's so. a satellite dish or something on one side, but it may it just be a like shadow. A but it, the others, they look like spruce trees or something. I'm not really sure. And this is up above the tree line. Showing you know the maximum amount of wind that could hit that propeller. Right. But you go down, it, it looks like it's actually turning something. I could be wrong, but like a okay. So you got the propeller on top, and uh, near the base, you see the barrel-looking structure. Yes. Those are also wind turbines. Those those individually capture. They're, they're like sections of barrel that have been cut out, and they uh, they turn vertically. Okay, to help. I don't know why the tie rods spin a little bit faster. I don't know. They, I don't know why they're so low to the ground, but I'm I'm hoping that we'll find out. And from this, it it it's got some heavy duty looking stuff that it it's attached to at the bottom. It looks like it looks like an entire car engine or something. I mean, I don't. I was wondering, but yeah, what throws it off is it looks like it's hooked up to a gas main. That's what I was wondering. I was like, I thought it was water at first, and then somebody mentioned uh, like natural gas. So I have no idea what the point of this is. Uh, there may be a different purpose for each part of the turbine. You know, maybe separate pieces do a different function. As it spins, maybe it pumps the natural gas. But natural gas is under pressure, so it doesn't need to be pumped. Um, natural gas lines are going to run for a long time, even after the grid goes down, because they're full. They're going to pump on their own. Right. So that is another option opposed to... Um, Using something like a wood gasifier or biodiesel, you can convert regular gasoline engines to run off of natural gas all day long. It's not hard. You just pump it into the intake manifold. Um, but so I don't know what's going on here. It looks like it looks like it's pumping something out of the ground, to be honest. Okay. And that region, what would they be pumping out of the ground? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of oil in California, but I can't see them refining oil for whatever they're doing there. I, my, it, to me, if it would, I would look at viable things first, and the first viable thing would be wind energy, right? Because you got some nice winds that cut through most of California. That's why wind energy is so popular. And do I even need to ask who we think that is up there? <laughs> That's Datu. Absolutely. <laughs> oh. Uh, I can't wait for the captions because it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, if you would submit some, you know, funny or any kind of captions, really, if you want to, or your take on what do you think this caption, this album art would be, and we can, we can talk about it next week and have a little fun with that. Oh, I didn't even realize the truck over there with the crane on it. Is that what that was over there? Is it crane? It's got like a boom or something on it. Okay, yeah, I can tell now. It's and the Datu. stacks of junk along the road. Datu's Playland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they are. All right, well, let's let's move into listener mail and tweets. We've got some we've got some things to talk about, but first, let's play this. We got a first voicemail from Carl. Let's go. Ahead. I'm play it now. Hey guys, it's Carl from the UK. I'm not sure about adding any class to your great show, but you did ask for some UK listener feedback, so here you go. I'm loving the direction that Where Alive is taking at the moment, and I think it's awesome they found pallets of Preparation H at Radon Labs, because they might finally be able to get rid of Pegs since she's such a huge pain in the ass. As far as the movie casting goes, though, I'd love to see a really strong actor as Michael, but just to flip the usual ideas on their heads... How about Michael Chiklis from The Shield? I think he'd be great against the Maulers and at Fort Irwin. Anyways, keep up the great work, guys. Don't get bitten. And when the zombie apocalypse eventually gets here, remember to destroy the stairs in your house. All right, thanks, Carl. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, you definitely added so many freaking class 
You added so much class to this show. It's ridiculous. That's what we needed. So classy. <laughs> Great. Uh, I love the preparation eggs and pegs comment. <laughs> <laughs> Stay classy. We're live, fancast. Yes. And Michael Chiklis as Michael. I think he fits the mold in the way he, you know, he acts and everything like that. But for me, his age will be a major factor. I mean, if if they had Michael Chiklis maybe when he was 27 or 28 years old, or even 35, where he could play a 28 year old, possibly. Um, but yeah. And let's see. And thank you so much for you know, taking the time and sending us that that listener. Let's see. What am I trying to say here? Thanks, Carl. Water. Yeah, thanks, Carl. And thanks for taking time to record something and send it on to us for to uh, include on the show. Let's see. And Casey was playing hard to get when he tweeted a couple weeks ago about uh, just said there will be no musical episode. <laughs> <laughs> we what you say now? We know that's what you want us to believe because you want us to be so surprised when we get to hear that those beautiful voices. I mean, come on, Casey just seems like a guy that would love musicals. And he just, you know, did you see what happened with the improv thing this past week? No. He went to go see his wife, uh, beautiful Miss Blair, and do an improv show. And Tony Ray was there as well. I think he was on a different team. And it was kind of like an improv competition tournament. And he got there, and one of the teams didn't have enough people. So he signed up. Wait, to compete against his wife? I don't know if he competed against her. I know he competed in the competition. I didn't know if he was on her team or a different team. but That could really backfire. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's all in good fun. <laughs> Till he wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and gets a uh, most valuable improver. That's a Improver. <laughs> all right, uh, let's see. Mark Davis, he references some things we said in the show last time. If Bert dies in a car crash, that car better have an A-bomb in the backseat, and that car better have pegs and scratch in it too while jamming to the final countdown. Okay, so let me set this up. I was getting in the car, you know, to come to work. I saw I got a tweet, so I looked down, you know, real quick, read this real quick, and and as I'm get, I'm in the car myself, I begin to picture, you know, what that would look like, and all these people singing to the final countdown, and then the, the bomb going off. <laughs> I could not get the song out of my head for two days. And then the musical starts. <laughs> <laughs> then Bert jumped out of the trunk. <laughs> He hit the high notes. <laughs> <laughs> and then in response to my tweet about the Rorschach doodle last week looking like a behemoth skin sample, you were out in the woods, but Google had a doodle this past week about Rorschach who apparently did the did the ink blots. You know, people would guess what they were. Yes. And you could hit arrows and just kind of guess what they were or whatever. And I found one that looked kind of like a behemoth skin sample. I just said, you know, I said, I see a behemoth skin sample and tweeted it. Otto Sterk, uh, he replied and said, "Really? I see Ink's brand new. I see Ink's new brand of alien ant zombie." Hmm. So I, I think maybe he saw a different doodle than I did, but still, he also included uh, J. Oligario on there. But thanks, Otto, and we need to talk sometime. If you listen to this, probably don't, but whatever. Sound like you're setting him up for an intervention or something. <laughs> intervention. <laughs> Get off the doodles. All right, you want to go? Uh. Yes, do you want me to do the Dr. Rock one? Which, any of them now, it doesn't work out up. Okay, well, let's uh, see, we got one from Adam, at AdamWCGY on Twitter. Glad they finally figured it out that the suit man is, what did I, oh, ink. <laughs> Glad they finally figured out the suit man is ink. Yes, I agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said, good job, Kelly, giving her props. Yes, uh, yeah, like we said earlier, it's, it's, <laughs> I think all the audience has been on this page for quite a while. It's glad to have them kind of catching up. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, let's see, from Dr. Ruck at the seventh point on Twitter. And what is the seventh point? Do you know? What's the first point? I don't know. Oh. Uh, 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 maybe it's mountain climbing, like the seven. Uh, I think they call them. There's a word for them or a uh, phrase for them. I know, what the, I know what the first four point of contacts are. Oh, the seventh <laughs> point. Okay, that's whenever... Uh, you actually make a baby with an alien, I think, then. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm dead serious. Oh, the shit, that's the seventh kind. That's as far as it goes. <laughs> the seventh kind of contact? Yeah. Well, what were you talking about? Point of contacts? What, what's your fourth point of contact? What do you mean, my fourth point of contact? Am I saying that wrong? You don't know it's what not... I'm talking about? A military expression? 
I don't know what you're talking about. You go shove it in your fourth port of contact? No, I'm not familiar with that. I thought oh. you were talking about the different forms of uh, contact with aliens. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fourth point of contact. You need to look that up. What's the seventh point, then? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Okay. <laughs> Who's the first? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, what is he asking? <laughs> he's probably telling us something. He don't ask a whole lot. Oh, no, he's not asking anything. <laughs> it's his, his answer to the... Uh, <laughs> the caption fun. <laughs> Datsu made a hairdryer for pegs. He's still working <laughs> on reducing it in size. <laughs> he says give him time. <laughs> Hashtag now you know. <laughs> <laughs> Datsu doesn't do anything small. He's doing that, yeah. And it's probably all Michael's orders too. I tried <laughs> to make it smaller. <laughs> oh... I'm going to steal see. one of yours, I think, because I gave you one I didn't mean to. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which one's that? Oh, you gave me three. I thought these, I was only reading the one in red. Oh, you were? I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so, Mark Davis, he also tweets, uh, maybe Inc. started the virus in the mental hospital because he was admitted, and then all, everything broke loose, and maybe the mental hospital is around ground zero. This doesn't explain the toxic stuff messing everyone up around there. Not, you know, you can't tweet so much, so it kind of ends there. But, I mean, this this could still be in play. I mean, if he got somehow juiced up from something around Ground Zero, Ground Zero before he busted out, or was busted out, I don't know. I've only got one more left. Regan on Twitter writes, solid episode. Anxious to see what happens to Victor and Tanya. No longer looking for clues and album. Wait. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, no, no. Okay, no longer looking for clues in album covers. Last episode had someone chained to a chair. Unless I missed it, it did, that didn't happen. This thing looks like pipes for natural gas, maybe setting a trap, some kind of detonation device. Oh, that's an interesting take on it. That would be a nice big explosion, I'm guessing, um, if the natural gas could escape fast enough. Um, I mean, it wouldn't travel back into the line. The, there's too much pressure on the gas lines to, for the flame to travel back into it. But if you fill up an area with a, just a pocket of gas, that would be a, a violent little explosion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're right. And see, you, I thought you had it called whenever you said that in uh, 39 Part 1 that you thought that scene was going to happen later in the chapter. And it never did. So I'm guessing that was just the album art was kind of representing what happened with Wendy. But it was to tease us and make us think something else might happen. Yeah. Oh, or also like the Alvin cover of a Mark. comic that shows you something really awesome that never happens inside the comic book. I guess it's kind of the version for audio drama saying this could happen. Right. You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last one I've got here is also from Dr. Rock. He says, little known fact about Datu, he's actually a team of engineers. Seven, if I'm not mistaken. Casey can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, no doubt about it. He's got to have... That, that's his secret. I wonder if a seven is a reference to the seventh point. What is the seventh dun, point? Dun, dun. Yeah, so it's the alien version of the fourth point of contact. You you really need to look that up. I can. I think I can d- decipher what the fourth point of contact is. I figured you would have known what it was because it was used so much. The fourth point of contact. <laughs> yeah, it was used in the Army, though, not in the Marine Corps. I figured they, you know... Not everything according to, translates. According to Marines, they invented every little famous saying in the military. All the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I've never heard that saying either, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Close this one out. I got a few shout-outs before we close oh, it out. Cool. So I don't know if anybody has caught on to the Space Opera Society, but I, I would... I would like for everyone to go check that out. They are at Space Opera S on Twitter, and they have a website that you can check out as well. It's spaceoperasociety.com. Um, they're doing kind of a nonprofit approach to uh, sci-fi films and sci-fi series. I mean, um, it's definitely worth taking a look at. Uh, they have some promising things on their way. Yeah. And, and, go ahead. And, uh, Tammy Klein, who plays Kelly, she's uh, heavily involved with that too. So I'm sure you'd like to support uh, one of the one of We're Lives peoples. Yes, 
Good peoples. Absolutely. So, and then um, I've been talking with an author on Twitter. He is the author of Zombie Attack, Rise of the Hordes, or Rise of the Horde. And his name is, where is it at? I got it pulled up here. Devin Sagliani. Uh, I'm going to take a, a gander that, at that over the next week. And because uh, I got the audio book off of Audible, I'm going to post up a review of it on what to. Very cool. Very cool. And that's about all. <laughs> that's it. That's about it. I think so, we beat this one into the dirt, man. This, this call is an hour and 51 minutes. And I know most of that. Not, I mean, I know not all of that is the show, but still. Wow. We talk too much. Seriously, time flies. Yeah, it does. Hey, I so. hope you guys had fun listening, and please feel free to contribute in any way you want to. Facebook, leave us a, a voicemail. Uh, you can send us an audio file. Go out to the website. Mm-hmm. Check out mcred.com and look at other options to contact us. That's right. And just enjoy this time of year. It's a it's a nice, beautiful time of year, especially where we are. Leaves are changing. It's great. Yes, the leaves. Yes, the leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't listening. You're just repeating what I'm saying. Yes, what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, go Back check out. <laughs> we'll have some uh, new updates to the Micred Network. Uh, there should be some new shows posted up soon. Um, go check that out at micred.com. And be sure, if, if you have a Facebook account, go out and like us on Facebook, please. Yes, micred.com. all right done with you one yes we'll talk to you guys next week this is Nick this is Redbeard thanks for listening to the We're Alive Fancast if you would like to send feedback to the show you can email us at we'realive at mickred.com and we will read your mail on the show We want to know what you think about We're Alive each week. Tweet us or email us your theories and reactions to that week's show. You can tweet us at at WAFancast. Visit our website at mickred.com. Mickred is always spelled M-I-C-K-R-E-D. You can find the We're Alive Fancast on Facebook. Just search We're Alive Fancast. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for letting us use his song Ghost Apocalypse in this podcast. This has been a Mick Red production. Welcome to episode 15 of the We're Live Fancast, where we cover every news release. I want one episode without the news release. So then we cut to Tanya and Victor testing. This is totally an aside, but there's this new podcast I'm listening to, and he's doing a lot of Superman coverage. And he's a brand new podcaster. He started since Two True Freaks did their thing, just like we have. Uh-huh. And he's he's really good. I mean, especially for a solo guy, he's also a teacher, so he can talk a little bit more. But he's just totally, he's like, uh, he's, he'll say something that he knows is going to make people mad. And then he's like, and you can send your hate mail to Trentus Magnus at whatever, whatever. <laughs> he's going to play our promo on his show, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, but cool. basically, he's. I saw something he wrote. He did a Man of Steel commentary show. Like, he has all these Superman shows, but he also did a Man of Steel commentary. You can start up the movie and his commentary and listen to him talk about the movie while you're watching it, which is, you know, that's kind of neat. But... Anyways, uh, he posted something today about Psy. Uh, you take a five-minute smoking break and the world, everybody loses their minds. Apparently, during the commentary, he says he's going to be right back or whatever. He's gone for five minutes. It's just dead air. <laughs> and he had to amazing. go have a cigarette break. <laughs> that, that's oh, I'm going to have to check this out. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> There's one he did was just him and Chris Honeywell, the guy from Two True Freaks. They got on there and they talked about urban legends. Well, they talked about a DC big book. Basically, DC made a big book of like a hundred and something stories, and each one was one or two pages long. And they were just—it was all the urban legends you've ever heard, pretty much, but but drawn out and written out in a comic form. That sounds awesome. That. It does sound awesome. Man, we need to make a weekend to take the kids to the comic book store. 
I haven't done it in a while. Yeah, so we can figure out what to buy on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, comic stores are so expensive. It really is. And you know, it's bad. We should be supporting our local businesses, especially comic book stores. I do. I buy. I mean, I buy. I try to. I keep at least one comic I buy monthly, which isn't very much, but I'm going to shoot. And then I buy the rest digitally because that's well, where to read them. You can't fund them. <laughs> I'm saying just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, the detail that all of you guys out there don't know is that Mick found the source of the outbreak over the weekend. I did. You did. I don't want to talk about I don't want to shame family like this. You don't have to say anything about family. <laughs> <laughs> you found what? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. <laughs> we can edit that out. It's like, just amazing. <laughs> this guy's the kind of guy that has family that keeps food around for 30 years. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> did you keep it? Yeah, I left it in there. We wanted to see how long it stayed in there. Sweet. Should send that in to him. Yeah, it's like transmission fluid. After a certain amount of time, you just got to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Things wouldn't work right in that fridge. It's going to break something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. I've only got 